This is the Your Church Friends Podcast, and we are back with Season 2. Join us as we sit down with some of our church friends to discuss these topics and more. What is worship? Can I trust God? How should I study my Bible? And popular Christian catchphrases. It's Season 2 of the Your Church Friends Podcast. Our church friends. Enjoy. Enjoy. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I am Chris. I'm Mjordlich. And I'm Mike. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a father of three kids, Frankie, Ezekiel, and Maximo. I've been doing large format printing for over 20 years, and I've been on some really cool projects, wrapping helicopters in Alaska and Chile, and been even fortunate to work on the Fast and Furious movies. Um, so I've been been very uh, blessed in just the the skill set and the ability to do that kind of work recently engaged hey. which hey. is Celebration. um something that I never pictured myself being into again <laughs> <laughs> but um it's a good thing and and we'll get more into the into again probably as we go on through this conversation but today's episode we're going to be talking about hope when you think of the word hope, and we'll start off just into the conversation and the question, like, I feel like there's such a difference between biblical hope and what the world says hope is. So, Mike, what's your take on that? Absolutely. I, and I, I've been catching myself a lot lately. I find myself saying, like, hey, I hope you have a good day, you know, or um, I hope my kid listens to me. And I think in the sense of that kind of hope, it's more of like a, a wishful thinking or that like optimistic desire to or that something is going to be like fulfilled or happen uh, whereas in the biblical sense of hope actually in the biblical sense biblical sense I think there's actually two you got the old testament hope and more of like the new testament hope and I think the old testament hope is more of like that waiting you're waiting expectantly for something to happen. And in the more of the, the New Testament hope, it's more of your, your hope is more of an assurance that something, something is going to happen. So like, for example, our hope that Christ is going to return one day, it's not like a maybe or a wish. It's like, it is going to happen. So your hope can be more of assurance. It's a, it's an assurance. Yeah. I that- get what you're saying. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you're looking at us and you're like, no, I'm tracking with you. Yeah. That's okay. making sense. Yeah. Looking at the, the worldly hope, like you were saying, it's a desire. It's something that you would wish to happen, but no guarantee to it. Right. Um, at least that's how we commonly use it. Right. I don't know if dictionary, you get into all of it and they're like, no, 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 that's saying something different. But I think that what all of us understand hope to be is like, oh man, that would be good if, or like, cause even the don't get your hopes up. Right. In Christianity, we don't have the don't get your hopes up. It's put your hope in the right place and walk in that. And kind of how you were saying Old Testament, New Testament, I see it even what our assurance is, is that the Old Testament had the hope looking forward to the Messiah. Right. And now that we have Christ, our hope is in him. So even the example that you said of him coming back, it's just like, yeah, our hope is in Christ. Like he mm-hmm. has, like, there is assurance in him. Now, our task in the hope is to make sure that we're not having empty or vain hopes and things that are fantasies of our own making, right? Because we go like, no, I'm a Christian, so my hope is assured. Like, 
is that backed up by any kind of scripture? Like, where is that at? Because I agree with you, but uh, I think that there can be, even within that, some people marrying the two ideas. Like, oh man, it would be really good if this is what my life would look like. So I'm going to pray to God and hope that it happens. Like, well, again, that's that weird difference of the hopes coming in. I catch myself saying, I hope something. Just today, I was getting ready to text, I hope you feel better. Right? Because someone had mentioned uh, that they, they were sick, so they weren't feeling well. So I was going to put, I hope you feel better, which I think is a good thing to, to say. But I kind of caught myself with that. Like, what does that mean? What am I saying? Am I hoping in the sense like the world says, wishful thinking, I, I wish you get better, you know, good luck, kind of almost that same term, right? That it's just kind of, we say these things or the other one, like break a leg, like when someone's getting ready to go do something, you know, like, what does all this mean? And, and so how are we catching what we're saying and actually keeping it biblically? And when you say like, I hope in something for us as Christians, the hope isn't in a thing, it's in a who. So mm-hmm. even in the Old Testament, they were hopeful for a savior, a messiah. In the New Testament, we got that. So our hope was fulfilled. And now we are assured that he, we have a relationship with our Father through him. And in that hope, we have life that goes beyond just this world and today and tomorrow. You know, it goes into eternity. So uh, I, I did like that because I do catch myself kind of meaninglessly saying, I hope. So are you just like a weird Christian that won't tell people, I hope you get better? What, what do you now, say? Yeah, How yeah, do you replace now I'm a weird that? I'm one of those people now. I, yeah. Like you, you don't say God bless you to people after they sneeze, right? No, say God bless you at other times. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I think the, the main difference is that worldly hope is changeable and biblical hope is unchangeable. And if you think of like what people put their hope in in the world, the president, government, organizations, the justice system, right? All that stuff, things change. You know, I mean, you could get corrupt judges and you could get organizations that prove to be lacking integrity. I mean, how many people have actually been hurt by their local church? You know what I mean? Like a lot of people have been like, oh, like I went to church and, you know, so I mean, putting our hope in even, even churches as an organization can prove to be not constant. Mm-hmm. They can be changing. I mean, what else do we, people put hope in? The educational system, your job, you know, you could lose your job tomorrow. Your physical abilities, those can be gone as well. But when we think of biblical hope and we think of God's values, right? We think of God's justice, that he's, he's always just. Um, he never fails. We think about God's promises. So hoping in his promises that he's not going to break his promise. Hoping in any, anything <laughs> as far as God, his wisdom, his truth, his word, it, it's not changing. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so putting your hope in something that is unchanging makes more sense than things that are constantly changing. It's a really good point. It's so the truth because, yeah, everything that we kind of hope for in the world is going to change. You know, some people put their hope in money, so that's their security. I guess the idea for me when you're talking was where our security is, that's where our hope is. Mm-hmm. And so if I put my security in these things, that's where I have hope. But that's only looking at 
today and tomorrow, like here on earth kind of hoping and stuff, because yeah, all of that stuff could change. You could be making good money, but you lose your job. You can have perfect health, but then that goes bad. So if your health is, or if your hope is in things or in stuff or the things around us, then all of that stuff is temporary. It's not eternal in our, in, in, in Christian hope, biblical hope, it's, the eternal, which is God, and, and our hope is in him, and he doesn't change. That's a great point, that he doesn't change. He's the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow, so no matter what it is, it's always the same, and our hope can, it's easier to, I guess, hope and trust, maybe, the combination of them, it's easier to hope in something that you know is unchanging. And I'm sitting here with my, uh, what, what do I call this thing? The, Frosty the Chino. Frosty Chino from Wendy's. That sounds horrible. Yeah. Uh, whatever it is, my brain is just going exploding. <laughs> Hearing you two talking happens every time, but especially this time I'm sitting here like, oh man, Mike is saying all this stuff. And then I'm like, oh, but he keeps talking. I can't interrupt him, which I find is like an ADHD thing. Like, don't interrupt people when they're talking. But all the stuff that you're saying, and oh, it was so good. Like you were saying, in who we're placing our hope, right? And that God is unchanging, that he's the same, but that in that and you brought up the justice system i think that that was really cool and you know government justice system and those kinds of things because that's where the world puts a lot of hope right is in those things in order to change the things that they're hopeful to change like there's a lot of issues here on this planet that there's a you know outside of god there's a lot of people who are wanting to fix those and to move towards solutions so they place their hope in these institutions and in these things that happen and like you said they can be corrupted and we look at all kinds of movements that come and go and like what happened to them? Sometimes they reach levels of success. Sometimes they crumble and they fall or, you know, even within churches and you look at pastors and different stuff, right? So within human institutions, even religious ones, but when you truly have hope in God and it goes back to the Beatitudes that we did on last season, Jesus saying, blessed are those for hun who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. They will be fulfilled and just that's a hope, right? If you're hungry, you're hoping that you get fed. You're you have a hope for that food, and Jesus relates that hope to, hey, you're looking you're looking for that righteousness, and in Him, He's saying you are going to be satisfied again. Bringing it back to that assuredness that, hey, you're following Me, you're gonna be blessed, you're gonna be happy because you're gonna find this in Me. And I don't think that there is that kind of assuredness in any of the worldly institutions, you know. And for as much as we say, well, we we would hope that there is that in the church. I mean, church is f full of fallible people, which again, anybody hearing this, hopefully going, focus on God, right? <laughs> and God first in all things. But then in that as well, because we're placing our hope in a who, and then scripture talks about Christ in us is the hope of glory. So all of these things, our job and our this and our that, that we can put trust and assurances. Is that what you were saying, Chris? That's our, what we find security in. God flips it around and goes, hey, all of those things come and go, but he's interested in who we are, right? Because then it's, are we the type of person who is putting hope in him? Because, hey, if you don't have money, do you still have hope in him and trust in him and assurance there? So, and I think that sometimes that's even how our hope gets tested. Like, oh yeah, I'm building up this little kingdom or this little thing and I'm play I'm making so much out of this and sometimes that gets rocked and it's like, okay, what now? Man, this coffee's strong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, because when you said come and go, I just kept hearing they come and go, they come and go, come and come and come, 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 come
that song just started going through my head. That's really weird. I was listening to that car, that car in the song today. That song in the car today. Well, that maybe that's why you said they come and go. The the one thing, if I could get us back on track, while all of us were talking, it just kind of hit me like this idea that false gods and hope kind of go hand in hand, right? Like we, when we put our hope into something, we're actually creating a false god in it because we're making that our security. We're making that the thing that we trust on, lean on, depend on, hope for to come through for us. And so we then make that a false god. So we like hope for this relationship to work out. We hope for this job to come through. We hope for uh, this money to come in. We hope for a new president or a president that's going to make things better in our country or a government that's going to do that or political change. You know, we all put our hopes in these things to change everything that's around us when really Jesus is saying and God is saying, put your hope in me and I'm not going to change the things around you. I'm just going to change how you are in them. Not to go off topic, but just giving God glory like throughout the day, I feel like I don't do that enough. And it's like, there's so much to be thankful for and to not voice thanks. Like, I don't know if you've ever like maybe, you know, done something for somebody out of, I mean, just out of wanting to, but like, when you just have that person genuinely come up to you and say, hey, man, thanks a lot for that. Like, it's like, we should be giving thanks to God for all that he has done and is doing and continues to do because we're just sinners saved by his grace, right? So it's like, without him dying on Calvary's cross, we're like, our sentence is, is death and, and separation from him. So we'd be hopeless. We would be hopeless. It's a good reminder too, as much as you thought like, oh, I'm going to get off topic, but it's exactly on topic of hopefulness and being hopeful because we can be thankful for all the things God has given us. But if we start just listing them, like I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for that. And then get down to that crux of it of like, I'm thankful for your son. I'm thankful for my salvation because without that, yeah, there is hopelessness where that's, that's it. We die and then it's over. It, it's crazy to me. People who are atheists who can just be okay with the concept that when I die, I go to the ground and that's it. There's nothing afterwards because that's just not in, in our nature. It's, there's something inside of us that screams that there has to be more than just today in this life that I'm living. And God brings that hope that, that yes, there is. There is a relationship with me into eternity where you can come into my presence and be there with me completely. And that's hope. Yeah, you look at the book of Revelations and so many people kind of tie it into like, it's a scary, dark, judgmental book of whatever we as Christians create it to be now, you know, like, oh, tribulation, it's wrath, it's God's wrath, 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 but it's God's hope. It's his final act of hope for, for all of us that at the end of it, there's us, heaven, God, his presence, Jesus, all there in this place. And, and to me, the beauty of when you see heaven for what it really is, the the people who are there just worshiping day and night over and over again. And, and that's hope, you know, that that's real tangible hope. And like we were talking about the stuff, it, the stuff is so fleeting in that it withers and it goes away and it's not here tomorrow and it could all change. But that tangible hope that God gives us is tomorrow with him. Yeah, I was thinking when you were talking about how we, you know, hope for that new job or hope for that pay raise, I'm just like, why are we hoping for those things? You know what I mean? Like, 
do we think that making more money is going to what make my life like more comfortable? I actually just went through a little thing in my own personal life where there's possibly going to be some money taken out of my check every month more than already is. And I was like, I found myself at work thinking like, okay, like, you know, maybe I get another job or, you know, maybe I talk to my boss about maybe, you know, giving me a pay cut and, you know, for a little bit and then it will look good on paper. And I'm thinking like, dude, like it's, it's all as, as, um, cliche as it sounds, it's all God's already anyways. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, Hey, I'm going to fill out all my paperwork correctly. I'm not going to worry about it. And it is what it is, right? Like God is going to provide, like, am I, do I have faith that God's going to provide? He always has in the past. So why he does, he's not going to fail me. He never has failed me. I failed him a lot, but he never is going to fail me. And so I was like, all right, I, I see it. I see that God. So just moving forward with filling out things correctly. And then I got a letter in the mail saying, hey, um, the process has been stopped. The other party hasn't filled out uh, the paperwork that they were supposed to. So it's been halted. I was like, okay. Which again, God interacting with us, we're placing our open him. And like you said, hey, you know what? I fail at points, but he doesn't. And the fact that we can just know that and keep coming to him and in a situation to where you're looking at, ah, my funds might get lowered and you know, whatever this looks like from a worldly perspective, somebody who doesn't have that hope in God is like, oh, I have to figure out a way because I can't go without that. Versus you saying, no, God is always the same. He's always provided. He always will provide. And for you to walk in integrity in that, and that's kind of what I meant a little bit earlier to where he'll allow, I truly believe he allows things to come in to test our faith, to be like, cool, you, you say that you're hoping in me and there's that. Let's see if it's there because he rewards those who seek him. And, you know, you people can hear this and like, yeah, well, it was all going to happen like that anyways or whatever it is. But the fact is that who you are on the other end of that is your faith is stronger. And, you know, you are a person of integrity. You've kept integrity, right? And all of those things. And that's what God is so concerned about. To whereas we can go, oh, but my job and the money and this is what I need. And God's like, no, no, no. What you need is like integrity and love and compassion and to trust me. Because have you guys seen that Francis Chan sermon talking about eternity? And he has this huge rope going all the way around everywhere, massive rope. And right on the very end of it, it's painted red, just like the tiniest bit of this massive rope. And he's like, this part's your life. The rest of the rope is eternity. So yeah, why do we stress out over all of these worldly things that we could hope in when we know that they're fleeting? We know that we can't take them with us. Right? The only thing that we truly have is our relationship with God, our integrity, our hope in him, uh, hope in the resurrection. We, I mean, you brought up the cross, and so, yeah. I had that exact same illustration in my mind when Chris was talking about eternity. Yeah, that's when yeah. it popped into mind. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's fascinating, too, that the hope in that, that stuff, like we, we desire to want more of it. Like when I want, like when you're talking about like your income was going to get changed, you're like, we instantly scramble to how do I replace that missing piece? How do I make more? How do I sustain myself? How do I do this? How do I replace that thing that I had put my hope and security in, right? But with God, there's no like replacing more. He's given us everything and all of it, which then made me think like 
man, if I really put my hope in him, then I would want more of him, right? I would desire more of him. I would desire to want to be in his word daily, to, to be in his presence as much as I could. And then that is the picture of heaven. Like that is the picture of heaven is it's the fulfillment of wanting that. Then you are there. But here on earth, it is that small time where we get to put our hope in him and desire it more and more and more and crave crave it, you know, just crave more of God. Like, is that something we're doing? And I think that really does help balance the scale of where our hope is at. Yeah, we've brought in so many different words other than hope. Because like we we're saying, it's hope in God and we're bringing up assurance and security, just thankfulness and these things, right? And being able to come and just that resulting in worship. And, and that's what you were saying, you know, if, if your hope is in God, but you're not wanting or desiring more time with him and, and more of that, then is, well, the great hope of eternal life with him, <laughs> like, does that sound that good? Because that's what you're going to be getting is it in its fullness. But it's just cool to see how hope is interwoven with these different things. Like, oh, man, I'm hoping so I can trust and he is my security. And because of that, I'm so thankful. And, you know, I can go with that thankfulness and the appreciation, just all of those things. Uh, it's really cool that how to me that shows how integral hope is because it's just connected you know the web of hope going throughout our entire lives and how we approach life you know job situations relationships and stuff how we approach god like hope is a, a pillar so mike let's with all this why is now that murdoch's answered why hope is so important what's your thoughts on it well i like how paul puts it that hope is the anchor for the soul that we're anchored on Christ. Along with the anchor, though, also comes the chain that tethers the anchor to, you know, the ship, so to speak. And um, I just, I, I kept having this picture of an anchor and a really, really, really long chain, right? And so when the storms come, because the storms in life are going to come, mm -hmm. right? It's not a matter of if, but when. If I If I am anchored to Christ, but I'm not close to him, like you were talking about, have that desire to like really like be close to him and know him. It's not that I'm going to be ripped out of Christ's hands because no one can pluck you out of Christ's hands once you're his. But if you're not close to him, the, the, the waves and the storm are still going to take you further than you would if, if that chain was close, if you were, if you're anchored closely to him. You know what I mean? The, the distance or, or the effects, I guess, of the storm maybe wouldn't seem as severe. Hope and his importance to me, or what was the question? How, How important is hope? <laughs> it's How important, important is the question? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you were talking about it, it, was, it made me think about, like, a lot of times we kind of look at, like, Christ being the boat. But the Bible is like, I am, you know, the rock. Right. right, And so if our anchor is hope, when we throw that, uh, to me, the idea is more the boat is life. And when I throw the anchor in the water, then I'm anchoring my hope into the rock, which is God. And so when the storms come, I'm not going to get moved or pulled away. Like I'm there secured in all that because it's anchored into who he is and not so much who I am or, or anything else. So when you were saying that, that was kind of my idea. It could be wrong. I don't know. I, I, a lot of things pop into my head when people talk before I cross-reference biblically, but it was just such a better picture of the whole thing of like, he's what we attach our hope to. And yeah, I can see that. So water would be life circumstances. Yeah. Right? And they're always changing. Mm-hmm. 
We just put together an analogy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. What was it you said the other day when you were speaking to Belong? Now, I had this thought. It might be heresy, yes. so I'm not teaching it. It's just a thought that for us to consider. We should have that on the beginning of every, every episode. Every beginning of every episode. This <laughs> might be heresy, but... <laughs> we have some opinions. <laughs> That's why, you know, it's really what I love about what we do here on the show. It's conversational. Like, these are conversations that, that people have. And, and it's good to flush them out because the more we talk about things, the more we're going to get deeper with our relationship with God, the more we're going to understand things. You know, you could have someone preach at you or teach at you, and that's really them talking to you. But to be able to think out what someone said to you, it, it allows for so much growth, I think. So uh, with that, we'll take our break and then we'll come back with the second half of the show. This episode of Your Church Friends is brought to you by Isaiah 40:31. Hope that renews your strength, that allows you to soar on wings, to run and not grow weary, and walk and not be faint. Isaiah 4.31, reminding you to hope in the Lord. All right, we are back from the break, and just when we're talking about hope, and I like everything that we were talking about hope in the first half, but we were very much taking, you know what, somewhat, I don't know if like a scientific approach is the right way of saying it, but you know, we were approaching the scripture, we were kind of talking about our observations of life, so to speak, and those kinds of things. But when looking at hope, it's a very real thing. I mean, I've been in spots of hopelessness, and then I've been in spots of finding hope. I've been in spots of thinking that I have hope in something and having those hopes dashed, right? I find that just so much of even at times, uh, more so when I was outside of the faith and then immature in my faith, is that, man, where I thought my hope was at, my life was rising and falling on that, going back to the ship on the waves, right? Just like where I thought my hope was and just, you know, all that was going. But we brought you in. You're a guest. We're looking at the topic of hope. Uh, I don't know if you had any personal kind of revelations or experiences through hope that we could, that we could connect on and maybe talk a bit through. So yeah, just to share a little bit about a feeling of hopelessness going through an unwanted divorce and just that uh, time in my life where was was very involved in, in ministry and thought God was moving me and my family at the time to sell all of our possessions and go mobile and walking through doors of obedience and selling everything and going mobile and then uh, my wife at the time coming to me literally on a Saturday evening and just saying, hey, I don't want to be married anymore. I want a divorce and, you know, fighting for that marriage and being in prayer and fasting and trying everything possible to not have that happen. And then um, getting served divorce paperwork and feeling hopeless, feeling like, man, God, like, we were feeling or we were thinking we were being obedient in what you had called us to walk through. And yet here I am now being served divorce papers. And I remember all, th- all throughout this process, it was just like everywhere I'd look, I'd go to church and on, the, on a random chalkboard would be written, never give up. And I kept seeing this time and time again, or hearing it in a song or seeing it on a bumper sticker or whatever. And all through this time, I was thinking like, okay, God, I get it. Like, never give up on the marriage. Never give up on, on it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to. 
and then being being served the divorce paperwork and having the divorce finalized i'm like never give up never give up and all this time it was like michael don't it's not that i'm saying never give up on your marriage but i'm saying never give up on me he made that very clear to me and i was like oh duh like okay like i get it because he never left me he never forgot about me i do believe that divorce breaks the heart of god but he gives us all a free will choice and so we have the choice to make decisions that um even decisions that go against he wants us to do and yet he re- he's remained faithful and so in that the feeling of hopelessness that man now i i don't see my kids half the time my two heart daughters which um i was involved in their life from like 4 years of age and 2 years of age like i hardly see them at all anymore um and just the 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 hurt the uh, the feeling of abandonment the feeling of hopelessness to that like i'm going to do life alone to now fast forward 5 years to today and like i said at the beginning of the show i'm i'm engaged i believe that god had something better in mind and he's given that to me with that being said you know it's it's that hope that i can know god's got better for me and that god's with me that he's he's not going to leave me that i can trust that that he has plans for me that are good yeah i totally relate i think when i first came back to calvary me and you had like a conversation about kind of that hopelessness cuz when when i came back to the church it was like a few years ago now and you were still kind of fresh in everything that was happening. Mm-hmm. We had talked about some stuff and I was still fresh in everything that had gone in my life, but feeling that hopelessness in life, it, it's, as you said, Murdoch, all of us have experienced it. And we went through the first half of it was like the textbook stuff, right? Here's practical things. Here's truth. Here's some, not Bible verses, but kind of like we gave examples of it. And here's now life the reality of it that we've all faced moments of hopelessness where things suck and for me when uh, my marriage was falling apart and ministry was falling apart like the picture I always tell people was I was in the fetal position while it felt like the enemy was just stomping on me and that's like how other that's not hope when you're kind of like there rolled up you're just like I eventually this will end if not then I'm gonna end like you're just at this point of like that's it this is I'm not getting up I'm not defending myself I'm not doing anything Coming back then to like having hope, for me, mine was just a dream. I had a dream where I saw my name behind a desk on like a nameplate that said Pastor Chris Archuleta. And that was here at the church we all attend now. And it was crazy because I wasn't even at that time in my life. I never thought I'd even be back here. I was like going back to Calvary. Never in my life that's going to happen like that. It's just not happening. But here I am in in this and now like doing this podcast. But it was that little thing, kind of like you, where you got that little don't give up, don't give up, don't give up thing all over the place. For me, that was the one thing I kind of, I grabbed and I said, okay, if God, if you're giving me this dream, then obviously you're not done with me. So I've got to get my butt up off the ground and start fighting back. And and yeah, now here we are. And it's like, hey, all three of us, and I'm sure Murdoch's going to share some form of a story in a second too. But all three of us coming from, as far as timeline-wise, of hopelessness to like sitting here with so much hope for tomorrow and the future. You're getting engaged. We do our podcast thing. I'm 
somewhat being doing what God's got me doing here again at, at church and speaking and preaching. And it's just, it's wonderful to see what God does when we don't give up and we keep clinging on to the hopes that he, he gives us. And I think it's really important too, if you are going through a season of hopelessness that, you know, you don't isolate yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't, you know, resort to numbing yourself. I know for me, when I was going through that season, I immediately got myself into counseling. I reached out. God actually placed a few uh, men on my heart that had gone through similar experiences, and I, I picked up the phone and called them. So it's important to like reach out to people, mm-hmm. um, talk about what you're feeling hopeless about or your situation or whatever you're going through. Get with other people that are like believers, you know, that have a strong foundation in Christ, get to church service, get in the word, you know, get in prayer. Don't definitely do not isolate yourself. Don't. It's just not good. That is great advice because hopelessness drives you to isolation and Chris, you were talking about, you know, being on the ground, fetal position, feeling like the enemy stomping on you. It's like, yeah, I don't know if you guys have ever just completely lost the fight and you're the only one alone with like nobody there to back you up. It's just like, yeah, you're done when that person is done. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? If, if you're at that point, like, I can't do anything in this situation. Like, it is hopeless. Like you said, either like this person's going to give up or I'm going to be gone. But when you have friends with you and people to surround you who can help you, who, as you were talking about, that you can be vulnerable and actually share these things. Because it's really easy even to, you're saying, hey, show up to a church service. There's tons of people who I know because I was one of them. You can put on the mask and show up to a church service and then the rest of the six days be completely isolated. And even if people are talking to you, you're isolated even within that because like you're just not allowing them in. And that's a really bad spot to be because all kinds of, Sin and bad thinking and everything else can just like have a field day in your life when you're isolated. Like it's easy pickings for the enemy. <laughs> you know, you're off by yourself and you're injured. Like that's what the lion goes after. You know, there's a whole herd. Who does he go after? That one. It's an easy meal. So yeah, isolation is definitely something to avoid. And it's in these feelings of internal distress and internal injury, right? To where we're going through this, man, if something happened and you got like a shotgun wound to like (laughs) took one to the body or your face got like whatever it is like you're gonna go to the er and be like this is horrible i need somebody to help fix me but with these internal things it's not the same level of like urgency and openness to where man when you're going through a divorce an unwanted divorce and that kind of thing which thank you for sharing because that is that's just a hard thing. I'm sure you've, like now five years later, you know, you've gotten to the point you're smiling as you're talking about it and, you know, being able to see God in it and, and what, what's come from that. But I know that it wasn't always all smiles. And, you know, if you go into the ER, even though somebody's patching you up, there's pain in that. And, you know, it is a process. And with, yeah, I like that you brought that up just for anybody who's listening, who's going through hopelessness. Like, that's a serious injury. Like you're in a deep, dark spot that needs patching up. And from my experience, I couldn't do that alone. We're saying that God is the ultimate hope and to be able to come with him with everything, but he's also allowed us to be in fellowship with another. And, you know, like you were saying, he kind of lined up for certain people to come into your life. 
So yeah, that's a really good point to to bring up with all of that. And in that process too, I I believe 100% that he also allowed that to happen also because he needed to work on me, right? And I think you were talking earlier, Murdoch, about our character, right? God doesn't really care too much about our abilities, but our character is everything and what other people see. Because like, are they seeing Jesus in you? You know? And so, you know, through that, I mean, I grew a lot in just my relationship with God and even with my kids. Like now when I have them with me, like it's every minute counts type thing, you know, even to where spending time, it was hard last year because everything was closed, but I take my kids on the boys. I take on -on one-on-one hangout days and Frankie, I'll take on a a date night one-on-one and I give them that attention. And it's something that I don't know if I would have ever done that or thought about that if I didn't not have them for 50% of the time, you know? And so there, there's been, God's really lit the fire and scraped off a whole bunch of that dross, you know, in my life. And I mean, there's a lot more scraping to do. I think it's important to, to also think like, hey, what does God want me? How does he want me to grow through this? You know, because in the hopelessness, you think like, oh, why me or mm-hmm. poor me or, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing worth living for. And I, I think too, like, it's okay to go through seasons of hopelessness because even in scripture, right? I mean, how many big giants of of faith in, in the Bible went through periods of like, God, just take my life now because, you know, what's the point? Yeah, we, we can name off people. You um, really can. I yeah. mean, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, I'm like, Joseph, I just had a dream where I'm going to rule over my family, and now I'm in a pit. This seems hopeless. Even before him, Jacob, who had to work for the wife he really wanted and got swindled by his father-in-law and got the sister he didn't want and then had to put seven years into working again for what he had hoped for originally. But I, I'm sure during those seven days, like, oh, man, this seems hopeless. Abraham. We're going to give you a child, 25 years of hoping for this thing. That's just in Genesis, you know, like that's three in Genesis. I could go into Moses who like 40 years in the desert by himself, like that part seemed pretty hopeless. I mean, Moses even was like, hey, if if you won't forgive the people for their sins, just take my name out of your book. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like even while he was leading the people, that's a pretty hopeless situation with it seen because they're so... They so wanted to go back to Egypt. And, and David, okay, you get anointed king, and then you're in the service of Saul, and you're spending time doing all that. And then you're running from your life because that guy's trying to kill you. That seems hopeless. Elijah said it, take my life, God. Jonah said, take my life, God. You know, like the disciples who, when Jesus died, had a day of hopelessness that probably was so heavy. So yes, it's littered throughout the Bible of, people who have giants of faith who are just had those moments of hopelessness. Well, I was going to say even Jesus, right? Praying in the garden. Mm -hmm. I think he held that felt the sense of hopelessness that, let me see if I can find it real quick. Which is a good point. And and while you're looking for it, it's such a good point because it, it goes to our savior going through every moment of life that we did and experiencing everything. You know, when they say Jesus was man and he experienced life as we did completely, like, Hopelessness is a spot that we all go through. Yeah, so in the garden, 
that that Mike is flipping to. And I know that there's all kinds of theologizing when we get to the point of on the cross when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, you know, he was quoting a psalm and there's all kinds of stuff coming from that. You have the Messiah saying that out loud, you know, and, you know, he knew why he came and he knew, you know, trusting God for the resurrection and everything else coming from that and, and what was there. But yeah, to have Jesus say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think that that gives a little bit of allowance for all of us to say that. But that's where even, Mike, I was saying, for you to be saying that with a smile, I think that a lot of times from the world and an immature Christian point of view as well, is it can seem like, oh, Christians don't really know how hard things get, or it's all going to be good, or, you know, whatever those concepts are. But to be able to come through and say, no, my life has gotten absolutely horrible at times, but I didn't lose hope, and I've been able to pull through it because of God. And when it comes to really like, well, why are you a Christian? It's just like, how could I not be? You know, if I wasn't a Christian, I would be dead. <laughs> like, if, no doubt about it. You were talking about, hey, don't isolate and don't go into like those numbing types of things. Like, I have a background of drug use and everything else. Like, without God, when things got rough in my life, like even as a Christian, like if I had lost faith and just hopelessness, if I walked away from God, like I wouldn't be alive today. For sure. I would go out and just completely binge off of something and be gone. Like, hopelessness is like, I get it. Like, I really do get it. I mean, I got to a point in life where I was so hopeless to where, so this was after coming back to the church and after, you know, relationship, God, like, transformed my life and everything, and I fell back into sin really, really hard. And just, I was really feeling like, wow, God offered me salvation. And I completely screwed it up. I'm not worthy of this. I'm not like I'm probably beyond saving. He gave me salvation. I threw it away like I trampled it underfoot, like all this stuff. I don't see why he would forgive me again. And my depths of despair was like, I will probably end up on the wrong side of judgment. But I still think that God is a good God who deserves to be served. So like at this point, I have no hope of even going to heaven to be with him. But I still think that he's the one that's worthy of like me doing the right things and just, you know, again, hopelessness. Completely skew with your mind and your thinking to weird things, but even within that, God being faithful. And when I look at going from the point of just, oh, I screwed up being a Christian even after he saved me and I knew what everything was, and then now he's restored me to the point of being a pastor and helping to lead others through situations and different things, and God's good. Yeah, going from hopelessness to restoration in those areas, but not just restoration to like, cool, let's get this back to how it was looking. Restoration to let's make it even better. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying, scraping away all the stuff that shouldn't have been there. And when I look at that time of hopelessness, it was just like, yeah, there was a lot of false things that I was holding to about life and about God and about everything that got scraped away during that time. If I didn't go through that, it wouldn't be good. I don't know where the scripture is, if you know off the top of your head, but where it talks about how Jesus can basically knows what we're going through too. He's he's experienced. Mm -hmm. I don't. Know, do you know what I'm talking? about? Do you know the verse I'm talking about, or that he's Hebrews? he sympathizes with our? We don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with us, but right? Yeah, he's Hebrews. And just go into Jesus in the garden. Uh, this is Mark 14, uh, starting in 32, and it says, "And they came to an olive grove called Gethsemane." And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be filled with horror and deep distress. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief 
to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. So, I mean, that that's Jesus. And that's the beauty of it all. That, that, like, that hope that we find in Jesus and in it. What helps me, and like what you guys are talking about, so it's the idea of like self-isolation, like hopelessness, you feel alone. And for me, when I went through my moment, I purposely self-isolated. I didn't want to be around anybody. That was all intentional. Now knowing that I need to be around people and I can't self-isolate so that when I do go through stuff again, I can lean on somebody else to help me stay out of that. But our Savior went through it and we have that hope that like in, in continuing on from there, he went through hopelessness, but where did he go? To pray, to mm-hmm. get fed from, from God and to get that strength that he needs to go through it. That's something that we all need to take through all of this is that even though we go through moments of hopelessness, don't do it alone and, and find your strength in God to get you through that. Because, yeah, life is going to be rough, man. It's going to be a journey. You're going to go through stuff that you just never thought you would go through. You never dreamed of going through because, hey, I hoped for a good life. And going back to what you're saying, Murdoch, like, that's not the Christian game plan most of the time. Like Christianity isn't about the hope for a better tomorrow as far as living in the world, but it's a hope for a better eternity that we're going to have that with our savior. And yeah, we're still going to go through stuff. Like don't come into Christianity. And I like you said, the immature thoughts in Christianity don't come into it thinking that like your circumstances change because God doesn't care about changing your circumstances. And it's, it's such a cliche saying, but he doesn't care about changing our circumstances as much as he is concerned about changing us. So when I got out of everything, what did I realize? Oh, I, my pride got dropped. Uh, this phony belief that I lived the perfect life and that I could be the perfect Christian and put on that mask saying that I am the perfect Christian all got dropped because I was like, no, I'm just a hypocrite living in my cesspool of hypocrisy. All of that got removed. But those are the things that God needed to remove for me. So that way, when I did come to a place where I can be used again, like you were saying, Murdoch, I wasn't this machine that was like, Jesus loves you. He's good for you. Just spouting off all that stuff. But I was like a person who can say like, no, I lost someone who I cared about deeply. And I know what death feels like in my life now. I know what being on the verge of a divorce feels like. I know what hopelessness looks in a marriage and ministry. I know what hopelessness looks like in life. And it made me able to help other people. And so if I have to go through these moments to help someone else, then then yes all the time. I will go through whatever I need to to help somebody else. I think even Paul wrote it, right? If I, and I may be wrong, because for me, I know a lot of scripture, but I don't know where exactly it is or what, where he said, like, I would give up my salvation just for all of you guys to be saved. And think about that, right? Like, giving up everything for someone else. So I would go through the, the journey of life and struggle through things for someone else. And, and that's beauty. But that's where hope really connects the togetherness in a body that we can lean on each other, be there for each other to keep each other from falling into that deep pit of hopelessness where, yeah, we just feel like giving up. Yeah, like Pastor, I think it was, I think it was Pastor Ken. He would always have that saying that, are you going to let the pit define you or refine you mm-hmm. you know oh that always stuck with me i think it was from him <laughs> yeah i've heard him say <laughs> yeah so with your you know whatever situation you're in or the circumstances you're in learn from it yeah that um the verse that you brought up it's in hebrews four fifteen, where we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but we have one who is tempted in every way that we are yet was without sin mm. and 16 goes on to say 
Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And we were talking about our times of need, right? If you haven't had one of those, you're going to have one of those. <laughs> and having gone through one, I'm like, God, just I hope that that was the only one <laughs> that like, looks like that. You know, but uh, really to be able to, the, the great hope is that, man, Jesus, you, I mean, you quoted that in the garden that he was just grieved to that point, right? And just what he was looking at. And he was like, man, even my friends who are with me, they're falling asleep. And like, well, <laughs> you know, and then goes to the cross. And my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Ends up in the grave. But the great hope of the resurrection, right, that God didn't forsake him and that we've all been granted eternal life in Christ, through Christ, and that God's spirit coming down to dwell in us and amongst us, like that is hope for now. And yeah, in our time of need, we can go to God because I think that for as much as I've learned not to isolate and to really depend on other people and to have man, if I'm not going to God, like, he is my help. He is, we, Chris, you talked about, like, he, he's the rock. Like, he is the rock. He's the fortress. He's the deliverer. He's the help in time of need, right? His victory is found there. Like, yeah, I think that being able to partner up with people, but for me, being in hopelessness, I found that I was hopeless because I wasn't going to God. Or, you know, or I wasn't allowing myself to fully go through that process. I was isolating even from God. Or maybe have the times of crying out at God or maybe yelling at God or, you know, just have whatever it was, but to really just go and go, oh, God, I just need you. <laughs> like, you know, once I started doing that, the changes started happening because he's the great physician. He can come in and work what he works. I was hurt in these ways. And Jesus is like, oh, you, you got abandoned, right? You got put to shame. These things happened to you. He's like, I know what that is. You know, when we look at hopelessness and Jesus went through the utmost. And he desires for us to put our faith in him, to mm -hmm. put our trust in him, to put our hope in him. So it's not like we cry out to God and he's like, eh, I'll come back to you later. Right. He's like, cry out to me. I'm right here. You know, I want to give, I want to give that to you. I want to give you that peace. And I like that verse too. The second half you read of it, the, we can go to him with confidence mm -hmm. because that's what this like solidifies hope. A worldly hope to me, like just to go back to that first question and kind of like define what we were actually saying and put it into a, a thought here is that like worldly hope, there's no confidence in those things. I'm not confident in them at all. And in God, there's confidence. It's 100% confidence that even if I go through that, and we always talk like, I don't know if faith and hope are like parallel, like they're, they're the same things, but slightly different. But we talk about like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? And that phrase, even if he doesn't, like our God will save us, but even if he doesn't. And yeah, that's, I, I like to say that's faith, but also that's hope. Because even if he doesn't, they're hoping that their God, at least they're gonna, he's going to take care of them afterwards. They're so confident in God that even if he doesn't, we're still going to put our faith in him. Yeah, that's cool that you say that because just last night I was talking to my fiance. What's up, baby G? I love you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we were just talking last night and because uh, she really pushed me to, she's like, no, you should do it. You should do it. I was like, oh, don't push me anymore. I'm going to have to say yes. <laughs> um, about the even if, like that's, that's like hope that even if, 
you know, things don't go how we want them to go here, that he's our Lord, our King, that he's gonna take care of us. You know, that's cool that you bring that up. Yeah. Even if I think that would be a great shirt, even if (laughs) your church friends, your church friends. So we'll have the, your church friends, this might be hypocrisy or no heresy. And then even even if if, your church friends, (laughs) listen to them. But it is, it's to hope in something with confidence, that sheer confidence, that's what's going to change, change things. And I think it's weird that everything in the Bible, these terms that we're using, like Murdoch was saying, they're all intertwined. They all Mm -hmm. go in together some way, somehow. You think of hope, trust, faith, belief, all joy, peace, happiness, all these things, they kind of all run the same thing in our lives. And they're all so intertwined that if I have hope, then I have joy that even no matter what I'm going through, like the body of water may change and the circumstances may change, I still have hope that God's got me, which still gives me joy. And even in a storm, I can still have peace because my Savior had peace in a storm. So it, it all kind of just flows together that all these things, they're, they're very much the same. And, and, and even if, it's just so strong. I, I want to say I, <laughs> I'm there, but man, I want to be there. You know, to, to say that statement that even if, like you look at someone like Job, whose whole life just got blown up. I think we talked about he it. He wished him. he'd never even been born. <laughs> Another person, yeah. yeah. Like he went deep into it. He was like, don't take my life. Like I wish I never had a breath of air at all. And all vented to God. And God was just listening there. He was chilling. And he's like, okay, I hear you, Job. And then when God finally responded, you know, he responded. But to imagine that place in life where everything everything's taken from you and all you're left with is with your wife and you're like you sure you don't want to take this one too this is 13 years of marriage talking not like the guy who's engaged uh, and gives a shout out <laughs> but Murdoch's shaking his head wow i hope she doesn't hear this oh she will she'll be asleep by this part in the episode yeah she usually does fall asleep listening to us <laughs> but you know you're left there with nothing and and then at the end, God comes through. But that time of all of that hopelessness, and he, he sat there with it. Like that, that has to be hard, imagining those circumstances of life, like getting to that point. But being anchored into God with hope does create peace. It does create joy that you're not like, oh, I'm so excited I'm going through this. But you're like, he's got me here. And as long as he's got me here, I'm good. You know, because he's, He's holding you in that circumstance, in that situation, and I can find joy in it. Yeah, Romans fifteen thirteen, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So I actually looked up abound, because I know I've heard that a lot, but I'm like, abound, abound. You know, abound is like overflowing, full of hope, to where it's overflowing in your life. Yeah, I think that's what we're all touching on is that going from hopelessness to like, I know you guys, and obviously we all still go through struggles here and there and you know, whatever goes on. But I think that we are also just like excited for what God is doing in our lives. You know, even no matter what's going on in the world and the world's been through some crazy stuff recently, you know, all of that are just like, oh man, look at what God is doing and look at where we're positioned within that to be working alongside with God with what he's doing. For me, it's just like, even sitting down in this podcast with you two is like, it's just hope coming out. It's like, man, there is hope in God and there is, you know, restoration. There is all of these things to where 
according to kind of the world standards, we, the three of us have no business talking that way. You know, if we were to go back to our lowest point, uh, I know a lot of people who things like that happen to them and never come out of that. You know, that was just like the permanent injury that gets put in place and there's bitterness from that point or hopelessness or just jaded and like all that stuff. So it's like, yeah, we've been hit with some pretty heavy stuff that should have taken us out, but but God, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and there's that but God part to where now I feel abundantly overflowing with hope. It's like, man, I can't wait to see what God does in the, in my life and the lives of those around me and storms will come. But I'm hoping again that I've learned by now to keep that anchor close, right? Like you were saying. I think even too, as kind of we get to that point of wrapping things up, oh, the hope that abounds, like it overflows out of us. It, it really hit my head of like, why is hope important? It, it's it's important for me, but it's important for the world to see it. Absolutely. Because how many times like people have said like, oh, look at Christians. They always look so sad. They always look so somber. They're always the serious one. But to live a life of hope that in that verse in Romans is great because it ties it all joy, peace and everything to live that life. That's what everybody wants. Mm -hmm. That's what we're seeking. That's what the world is seeking. So they put their hope in finances. They put their hope in relationships or a job or status or government agencies or president. And they say, you are my savior because I'm hoping for you to fix and correct my life. And then when all that gets knocked away because it's temporary and it's fleeting and it's not really what's going to do it. They're looking at like, where, where's that person who has hope? And it's in the church and it should be found in the church. So as us as Christians, when we do abound in hope, it's just going to flow out of this building and people are going to see it and say, I want that. Your life doesn't look any different than me. You actually went through worse stuff than me. How are you still so hopeful? Because we're not hopeful for today. We're hopeful for eternity with our Savior. And I think that's the important part of it all. It's for others also. You know, we have our hope in Christ, but then we got to let that hope out and start being the people living in joy and peace and and having all those characteristics that the world is going to see as attractive and not so much that grumpy Christian who's telling me, don't do this, don't do that, don't do all of this. Mm. And, and I, I don't know, that, that just, that hit me when you, were, when you read that verse. That's hope, you know. Hope is for me that I can give to someone else. Yeah, That's I like good. that, to, to bring hope into the world because Christ is the hope of the world and he literally left us with the mission of go and bring the good news of me into the world. So, yeah, and I think that that is a little bit off if, if, if we're hopeless or so, like, you know, if we're all distraught, but like, no, but it, it, it's good, <laughs> like, you know, to, to really be experiencing and expressing that and having that. But really, especially for today, when I know, it, I mean, I work with young adults and you guys help me in, in Belong and just kind of with what we have there is in for their generation to just like, hey, God doesn't exist. Everything comes from evolution. It doesn't matter. Like, it all just leads to nihilism that really nothing matters you know you didn't choose to be here you're just a random assortment of cells and whatever like even your emotions and your thinking that's just synapses inside of your brain and you know chemicals going off and ultimately you'll die and nothing happens after that like it's just so nihilistic that nothing matters so then when you're going through a hard time and just like well if nothing matters and there's nothing more than this like what's the point of it all like, do I really just need to stay here and suffer? Like, what is it? Like, you know, and to just that is the ever increasing narrative, just kind of where everything is headed is just that nihilistic point of view that nothing really matters and has any meaning. It's all just, you know, by happenstance and 
to really just bring back in the hope and the purpose and the meaning that, no, God created the world with a purpose. And he entered into the world through Christ because, yeah, that you were bringing up the Old Testament and the New Testament. It was like, yeah, even throughout all the Old Testament, they're like, uh, we need something to happen here. And God's like, yeah, I know. And it, it'll come in due time. And what a great time for us to be alive that we know hope. We know who he is. And for anybody who's listening to this, like, you do now. You now do too. <laughs> yeah. Any closing thoughts, Mike? I think I've reached my limit of words for this day <laughs> by far. I've overexceeded my, my number. Well, thanks for being on here, Mike. We really appreciate it. I think for me and Murdoch, we could both say that you were someone who was very key to our growth and development here in the last wow. few years. Like the you being so honest and sharing how you what you went through and what you what you struggled with and the hurt really at least for me and I'll say I'm speaking for Murdoch and he can shake his head or say yes or no, but helped me kind of keep going. And so when we thought of, hey, who should we have here for this season of our church friends? Like you were number one on the list because we love just always hearing your nuggets of wisdom. And yes, in our life group, which all three of us are in a life group together, Mike just always says one or two things. And it's like, that was the greatest thing we've heard today in group. Mm -hmm. So we did squeeze out more words from you today than we ever have. <laughs> so we appreciate it. So I'll wrap this show up. Uh, I'm Chris. I'm Yurla. And I'm Mike. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Casey, what are you doing? Hi, Remy. I'm just looking for a new podcast to listen to. All the ones I listen to now are pretty boring. There's this new podcast out called Your Church Friends. It's pretty interesting and sometimes funny. I think I heard about that podcast from someone else who said it was good. I think I'm going to check it out. You should. And if you like their podcast, you can also go to their website, yourchurchfriends.rocks. It has all their old episodes on there, and they link to join their Facebook group page. Do you know why it's yourchurchfriends.rocks? Yeah, because they rock.